I said, let's go. Oh, that's me. Okay. Hi, everybody, and welcome back. This is Cassandra. And I'm Carmi. And we're too good to be true. And this week is our fraud film week. And as we already previously stated, we watched Catch Me If You Can. I thought I had seen this movie before, but clearly not. Because if I had seen it, I think I would have remembered. Yeah, this movie was bonger. <laughs> no way I would not know that I've seen this movie before. Yeah. I'm not going to lie, I took a gummy last night when I got home before I watched this. So my notes like start out being normal notes and then they progress into me just angrily being like, What the fuck is happening? Uh, listen, I'm right there with you. Well, it starts out in the DM. It starts out in that old game show, which I think that was a real game show. Wasn't it? Yeah, okay. It starts out with... I told Jaden that, too. My my daughter watched the movie with yeah, me. It starts out with a game of To Tell the Truth, which was weird. But but was he really on the game show? You know what? I should have looked yeah. that up. Maybe Jaden should have looked that up. I should have looked that up. She should have done more research. We can look it up later. But, yeah, so they start out at that. And that's that game show, if you're not familiar with it, which I... My grandmother loved game shows, so, like, I grew up watching all this shit, Pyramid, and... Oh, yeah, stuff, so it's like, I know it, but if you're not familiar with the game, it's three contestants, and they all claim to be the same person, and there's, like, a panel that asks them questions, and they determine... Which the one, questions, yeah. Which one is the, is the real person, and then, you know, either they get it right, and, and they win, or they don't, but... But that's the premise of the game, so... The host says that Frank Abagnale had faked being a pilot, physician, and an assistant attorney general. Just a lot. Uh, yeah, those are some pretty um, high-end jobs. Yeah, and so they asked me a couple questions, and I mean, that's really just the beginning into the movie, so it doesn't really... Right. It's not really relevant that much. Yeah, so we go from there to... He's he's caught because the movie jumps around. It, it jumps around a lot. Yeah, it kind of jumps from present to back when he was younger and back to present and back when he was younger. So our next jump, he's in a prison in Marseille, France on Christmas Eve, 1969. And this... Are you going to sneeze? No. You can click on me. Yes, face. A lot of Christmas in this movie. Why was it always Christmas? I don't know. Is that what brought on the sneeze face? No, I just... <laughs> I was weird. offended by Christmas. Uh, thought it was weird. Yeah, there was kind of a lot. I don't know. I mean, they were covering many... Diff- Maybe that was their way of showing that they were doing many different years. They were like, it's Christmas, and now it's Christmas another year, and it's Christmas another year, and that's how you know so many years are passing. But, like, they saw each other all the time on Christmas. It was weird. Yeah. Let's be real. It was weird. Yeah. It was, like, their thing. That was their thing. And it was this FBI detective for the bank fraud unit. His name was Carl Hanratty, and he's the one that was catching up with him at prison. And the prison was, had, it's a shitty prison. It left a lot to be desired. It was damp and cold and gross, and water was leaking through. It seemed terrifying. Yeah, it was pretty, it was pretty awful. And 
So after that, we immediately, of course, jumped back again. We're back six years earlier in 1963. We're in New Rochelle, New York, and Frank Jr. is at an awards banquet with his father, Frank Sr., who's played by Christopher Walken. Weird choice, by the way. That is his name, right? Yes, Christopher Walken. Yeah, I don't know. It was odd, but he was like this big-time guy in the rotary, so... They're having this awards banquet and giving him an award for all of his service. And then after this, Frank Sr. takes Frank Jr. to get a sue. He stops it. You quickly kind of find out that the dad kind of isn't what he seems to be, I guess. Here are my thoughts on Frank and Frank Jr. I feel like Frank Sr. is like a low-level clown. Like he... He could be a full-scale con man, but it seems like he lacks the confidence to full- to do it off. Oh, for sure. And so he's always just this low-level guy who's always broke in poverty and not doing well. I mean, he's doing enough to get by, but he's always got money problems because he, you know, isn't running a legitimate business. Business, and he's not very good at conning. I mean, he's got his moves which we'll talk about in a separate, but he has a couple of skills, but <clears throat> Frank Jr. kind of takes it to a whole other level. I feel like Frank Jr. saw what Frank Sr. was trying to do and learned from his mistakes, and then he became a better con man because of it. So I'm thinking that, I don't know, I mean, they, they tend to, they seem like they have like a really tiny font too more he's closer with his dad for sure than a for sure but it seemed like their whole family was pretty tight yeah from the beginning when like you first really, see it anyway they seem like a really loving family all around i mean cons aside you know they seemed like they really loved each other and were happy together but i guess not as we'll find out later on but anyway, so Frank takes Frank Jr. to this shop, and then the shopkeeper there, Darcy, he's like, we want to borrow a suit. And Darcy's like, we don't, we don't do that. And we're closed. Darcy's pretty much like, fuck off. And I got the feeling that, I could be wrong, but I got the feeling that Frank Sr. and Darcy knew each other. And that Darcy didn't particularly care for him. Care for him? You know what? I didn't even take notice. But now that you're saying that, could be. Could be. Because she was very, like... No. Yeah. I mean, any other has to read. Yeah. Be like, oh, I'm so sorry. We're actually closed and we don't do that anyway. So you would have to maybe go see this other shop or whatever. She was pretty adamant that that she was not going to do anything for him. Yeah. She was just like, no, fuck off. But she, but he came up with this story like, we're going to a funeral, like the grandfather of the son. Like, so it would be, I guess, his dad or his mom's dad, whatever. And we need it, like, now. You know what I mean? And then he pulls this necklace out, and he's like, Darcy, is this your necklace? Because I just found it just now in the parking lot. <laughs> and kind of bribes her with it. That's his... That's his, his That's one of his things. That's one of his go-to moves. Yeah, and he... I don't know where, like, get these necklaces. They must find them. Yeah. Someone. Yeah, because it seems like he's got a few of them. Yeah, and he does the necklace thing, and so Darcy lets him borrow the suit. And then 
With that, and that's when you find out the reason he needed the suit for the son. Right. Because he was having Frank Jr. pretend to be a driver for him so that he looked narrow as... And they go to Chase Bank, which is where I bank, and he tries to get a loan, and he's told that he's being investigated for tax fraud, and so they're not going to do any business with him. Right. As they should, which I don't blame them. I mean, I wouldn't want to be getting a loan to somebody that I know is under. Oh, yeah, because you already know that he has no money, and how's he ever going to come up with the money? To pay this back. Right. And that's essentially... That's a liability. That's what the guy says to him. He said it's it has nothing to do with, you know, liking you or wanting to do business with you or anything. It has to do with risk. Mm-hmm. Because you are you would be a risky loan since you're already mm-hmm. under investigation for tax fraud. You're already doing illegal things. Who's to say that you're actually going to pay this back like you said right. you're going to? And secondly, if you lose whatever, you know, case is against you and then you don't have money... How would you pay it back? Exactly. So he's just kind of like, there's no scenario in which I'm going to be able to do this. So they end up selling the car then. They go to this dealership and sell the car. And right. he returns the suit, of course, to Darcy. And then we see them moving into an apartment. They're down. Siggy's kicked out of their house, basically, or they couldn't afford it anymore. And one or the other, they probably got it foreclosed, though. I was assuming it was foreclosed. Yeah, that it was like here doesn't seem like the type of guy to just give up. He probably had to get forced out of that house. Oh, I'm sure. So, after they move into the apartment, Frank Sr. opens this bank account in Frank Jr.'s name and gives him a checkbook, and then this is where it all begins. It all begins. Ideas are brewing in, in little Frank's mind. Yep, and then Frank Jr. starts a new school. And one day he gets home and his mom is in the bedroom with his dad's friend for Jack. Yeah. And she's like, oh, I was just showing him the apartment. I mean, it was obvious. It was right. Fun. Okay. To everyone. And Frank Jr. Oh, wasn't like, oh, Frank Jr. knew. Oh, for sure. He was kind of playing along. And not too long after, of course, the parents get divorced. Which tends to happen. Yeah. Somebody's cheating. Exactly. And then they like sit him down and they tell him like, hey, this is what's happening. And he's having a full on like emotional breakdown. Kid is melting down. <laughs> it's yeah. like, I don't know what to do. And they're like, you need to decide who you want to live with. Okay. It doesn't have to be right now, but like, you know, take a little bit of time, but you need to decide. And kid just takes off. He runs away. He goes and gets on a bus to Grand Central. Yeah. He was very overwhelmed, and he was just like, you know what, I can't handle this. Runs away, gets on a train, and just takes off. And then he's staying at a hotel or something up there in New York City. Which I don't know why, but whatever. Maybe he wants to live the good life, but his checks are bouncing. They had two... Two checks bounce, I believe he said. Right. And he gets kicked out of the hotel because the guy's like, I'm already in trouble for your other bounce checks and we're not going to keep doing it, so you got to go. So he leaves. He forges this fake IV, which this is crazy. This is the worst forgery job in the history of forgery. But and what do you think of the times? Like, people obviously weren't examining things that closely back then everybody was just assuming everyone was telling the truth Mm -hmm. and so he forges this fake id by 
erases the age, he erases the birth year with a pencil eraser and then uses like, and he had, I think he had like kind of a box cutter thing too to scratch across it. He had something to scratch something across it. And then he uses like, a, and then the pencil eraser. And then very serious like ink pen, but it's like, it's still obvious. I'm sorry, it was so obvious. And then he has somebody's signature for some reason. And he cuts off the person's last name, and so it changes his name to Frank Taylor. Yeah. I can't remember where he got that from. Yeah, I can't either, but... So he goes to the bank, and, they want, and he wants to cash the check made out to Frank Taylor, and they tell him that, you know, they can't do that because he's not a customer there. <laughs> and he pulls out the old necklace trick. And then... Was, well, yeah, it was when he goes to... To be like, is this yours? I found it. It's a different person. It's a dude. It's a guy. <laughs> yeah, things were not going well for him at that point. He went to a couple different banks and tried to get that check cashed. But because he wasn't a customer, they wouldn't do it. He's so. been trying to give like a bit of a soft story, too, about how oh, he yeah. the money and everything. He was like making up different scenarios and he wasn't getting anywhere so now he's just leaving and he's walking down the street all distraught and he sees some pilots and flight attendants looking all glamorous and he calls his father telling him he's going to become a pilot and that he's a fly to several schools then he pretends to be a high school paper writer like a newspaper writer interviewing a higher up at pan american or pan am yeah so that's how he gets his in there. And these people are also trusting. And they could say, like, what the fuck ever. They're just like, Do you know what I realized watching this movie? Back then, people did a lot of things on good faith. Like, honestly. Mm-hmm. They were just like, okay, sure. Like, it, there's so many things that he does. And I'm like, there's absolutely no way uh, that would happen these days. But that's the thing. These people doing this shit back then that set the precedent for what we have today. That's true. Like, that's why we have the rules and the double checking and triple checking and everything that we have. And also, he just clearly knew how to charm the pants off of people. It was kind of insane. I was like, what? Yeah. And think about it. He When he started this, he was, by the way, people, he's only 16. Yeah, he's a, he's a little baby. He was 16, and then he was 17 while all this was going down. And you're just like, it blows your mind, honestly, a little bit. Right. And he's talking to this guy, and he's asking him, what does he, you know, what do they need to be a pilot and whatever? So the guy's like, you need an FAA card, you know, and you need a badge, a Pan Am badge. And he actually ends up giving Frank his old FAA card because it's expired. Right. Like three years. And he's like, oh, he's thinking like, this is harmless. Like, yeah. And no, right. Well, Frank's like, can I make a copy of this? And he's like, just have it. Yeah. Because it's expired. And he's not thinking that he might go and forge it because again, right. back then they just, people are just like very trusting. And he says he can't have a badge because you have to be an employee to get one. And he calls then to Pan Am to fake being a pilot so he can get a uniform. Yeah, it's like, where does he even come up with this shit, honestly? He just, like, thinks this up. He's like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to call and get a uniform. <laughs> Which is very call. Really? Who tells the lady that he, he lost it in a hotel and when he went to get it dry clean, they long lost it. it. 
And she's like, oh, that happens all the time. And so she just tells him exactly where to go to get fitted for a new one. So he goes and he does it and gets himself a uniform and he has his little forged FAA card and his little badge and everything. And he's on his way to pretend to be a pilot. And, well, he says he's a co-pilot, actually. Co-pilot, yes. He's very, very adamant about it being co-pilot. because yeah, he knows he doesn't know jack shit about him. About actually flying a plane. He wouldn't be able to be a pilot, but he can pretend to be a co-pilot. And he's at a hotel one time while he's, you know, flying and, you know, working. <laughs> working, quote-unquote. And he asks a, a guy at a hotel, you know, can he cash this personal check? And the guy's like, yeah, we can cash personal checks up to $100 and paychecks up to $300. That's another thing that blew my mind. There was a lot of places you used to be able to cash checks. It was kind of insane. Being at the airport, at hotels. Yeah, I mean, you can still cash checks at, like, Walmart. That's true. That's true. Well, at this point, he's like, okay, $300, hell yeah, so let's start making some fake paychecks. So to make the part is kind of ridiculous. Yeah, it's funny, though. He makes this paycheck, he's got his typewriter, and he types up a little check, and then he has a Pan Am model airplane that he soaks in the bathtub and gets the sticker off of, and then puts the sticker on the check... And at this time, forging the check was way easier because they didn't yet have that knicker number at the bottom. Yeah, half the they didn't have any of that technology, like one. the bank information, like the bank name and the person's name, and they had to, I mean, I guess manually reach out to that other bank to confirm and switch money around. Yeah, thank God we're not doing that anymore. Oh, good lord, I can only imagine. And then he, that's his tester, you know, check, and he gets a cash, so he goes and he makes a shitload more. I mean, a shitload more. He has a whole floor lined with fake checks and his yeah. bathtub full of those little model planes, which I'm sh- assuming he got at the airport. Yeah, probably. And then he gets on a plane as a deadhead or an off-duty pilot. Right. You know, somebody who's flying and is with the company, but they're not flying. They're just like, he's chilling. And he has no idea what he's doing. That lady, like, he didn't even know what a deadhead was. And then she was telling him to use that specific chair. And he didn't know how to pull it out. And then it was the good old Meredith Gray. Yeah. was... The, the people that appeared in this movie. There's a lot of just weird, like wow. There's a lot of weird little cameo. Yeah. Well, he does his little silly necklace trick on the flight attendant. I almost called her Meredith again. Meredith's <laughs> gray. And they hook up, which is very Meredith Gray of her. Yeah, it's so wild to me. Like this kid is hooking up little people right and left, and I'm like. Wow, this kid is smooth. Yeah, and like a 16-year-old is like, ill, ill, ill. Yeah, exactly. And like people are like falling for, and like all these girls believe that he's like 28. But then at the same time, I'm like, okay, because I was talking about this. And I was like, how were people believing he was old enough to do these jobs, yet looked young enough to go in and pretend to be the, the newspaper writer from the high school so it's like he has to look like old enough for people to believe he could do these jobs, but also like young enough to. But that's the thing with 
I'm, I, it's confusing. I feel like the younger Leo, Leonardo DiCaprio. Could, yeah. He easily could switch between the two. Because we're in that, like, boyish, babyish Yeah. But if he wore the right clothes and styled his hair the right way, he did look older. And then, you know, when they had him in there in this cute little sweater and everything, and his hair was, you know, softer, he did look younger. You know, that age, when he was with his parents that one time watching them dance, and he had a little sweater on and everything, he looked like a young boy. He really did. But then, he, you know, fixed his hair up a little bit and put on a nice suit and he does look a little longer some people it's kind of wild yeah. so i was like curious because this is based off a real person i'm like i need to know what this real person looks like because <laughs> i wonder how people were like i don't even you can do that there's a yeah one time i matched with this guy on bumble and i literally only said one thing to him and then i never spoke to him again and i matched with him and i said you look like a different person in all three oh. of your pictures and then I never said anything really. <laughs> and just it was true though. This dude, it was the same guy. He looked like a different fucking person. Depending on like what outfit he had on, how his hair was, and like what angle the photo was taken at, he looked like a different guy in every picture. And that is the only thing I said to him. I was like, you look like a different person in every photo. Wow. Good day, sir. <laughs> it was very it was kind of crazy. So anyway. He's continuing to pretend to be a pilot, forge these checks, whatever, so he can get money. But then it kind of catches up with him a little bit. Like, the FBI gets word of, like, that there's something going on. Right. With someone forging Pan Am paychecks or whatever well he goes then and he ha cashes this check and he flirts with the teller at the bank oh that part and that girl just starts telling telling him everything about bank information she's giving him training she's showing him how the machines work she it was craving Ben behind the counter and she <laughs> is up there submitting to us then that's unfortunate going what the fuck <laughs> yeah okay we're we, we don't do that if any of you feel like going to a bank and trying to you know Sweet talk your way into learning about bank stuff. It's not going to happen. Not these days. We're not down to you. We're down to start explaining things and giving you our vault combos. Yeah. Good luck well, with that. This kind of where my dummy kicked in and I started going off the rails with note taking. So. <laughs> well, then we're we're at this meeting with the FBI. Farrell Hanratty is leading it. And he's, he's finally at this point, he's introducing maker numbers, which... Like I said before, right. those are the numbers at the bottom of your check that they read, you know, the bank routing number, which tells you what bank it's coming out of. It gets you the account number. Right. It's what account it's coming out of. And then you have the check number as well. Those are your MICR numbers. Those are your identification for checks to know, like, this is where the money's coming from. <laughs> Previous to this, that, that didn't exist. But now here's Carl. He's like, hell yeah, this is really going to help us catch fraud. And oh, for sure. Wrong. He's not wrong. And then Frank goes and has a dinner with his dad, and he's bought him a Cadillac because he's doing very well. And his dad knows what he's up to. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. He knows what he's up to. So he's like, where are you going tonight, Frank? Can you go somewhere exotic, somewhere tropical? The guy knows what he's up to. But he doesn't care. He's proud of him, actually. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. You can tell he is. He is healthy. He is. Frank finds out that his dad had to close his business. And then he also finds out that his dad is still in love with his mom. 
Spike right. cheating and everything. That part was just sad. That the part was unnecessary. It was unnecessary, and it was also very just sad. Yeah, the way he's just like he's he didn't even really have to say anything, and Frank Jr.'s like still, and he's like since the day I met her, and I was just like, oh, yeah, that's so fucking sad. Just ugh, gross. We didn't need that. Well, then Hanratty breaks into where Frank is staying. Which this was great. When he gets into oh, his part, and he and he's and he's looking for Frank. And Frank, I mean, the kid is quick. He gotta give it. Oh, he's very quick on his feet. Very smart. Like we know how it is with all these people. They're all very smart. Like if they used that smarts that they had for good things, man, they could really do a, a big service to the world. But instead, they do shitty things. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, well, after Hanratty comes in, he pretends that he's he's like, oh, oh, you already missed him. Like your guy already ran out, and my my partner got him. He pretends he's a Secret Service agent, yes, and then his partner had already captured Fred. And here's the thing: I don't know. Do you know who the dude was that was in on it, or was that just a separate thing that just happened to be happening out there? That was. They were. They also lived in the apartments where he was staying, or whatever it was, wherever he was at in that place. He knew them. He would see them on the regular, like daily. Mm-hmm. There was like an older gentleman who was blind or whatever, and then there was like his grandson or something that was helping him. So yes, and he was pretending that that was Frank, and he was being caught and being arrested, and not that guy just doing that with his grandfather. And he knew the kid's name that was helping the grandfather, so he was like, hey, and I can't remember the name, like, I'll be down in a second or whatever. Yeah. And tried to make it believable. Like, right, I mean, that it was, and he even, Hanratty even asked him for, like, his badge and his identification, and he goes, here, take my whole wallet. And no, he, like, banking on the fact that Somebody willing to give up their yeah. Oh, once it's again, obviously an innocent person being trusting. Yeah, you know, never. So handwriting never opens the wallet, and then he he leaves. And then after a, a bit of time has passed, handwriting is like, oh shit, he's not coming. Yeah, back. he's like, he's not coming back. He walked out. He had like the machine that he was using for the checks. He said, "Go, oh, I'm taking this evidence, and you know, whatever." He just peaced out. And Hanratty's just sitting there on the edge of the bed, and then he decides to look in the wallet, and all it, it is, is just coupons. is like labels. He has labels. this weird thing about taking labels off of things. I don't know. They never explain it. That's just this thing. He even was doing it at the... He worst. was doing it at the worst banquet that in the beginning of the movie. He has this like thing about taking labels off of, like brand labels off of things. It was weird. Yeah. But it was all then... And he even asked um, Hanratty, Hanratty was like, how did you know I wasn't going to open the wallet? And that's what he told him, like, basically, because I gave you my whole wallet, you believe that I was who I said I was, because who else but somebody who's not lying would give you their whole wallet? He's like, I could trust that you weren't going to get it. They start kind of having this, like, rapport, like, back and forth, like, they call each other. It's kind of weird. Yeah, and then Frank is, you know, he's with an, an older pilot talking, and, and he's shown an article about a guy pretending to be a co-pilot. And, oh, God, yeah. And that's when the guy's like, they call him, 
the James Bond of the sky. And apparently that's a big thing. Why, they, then they have this, there's certain parts of this movie that I think did not need not to be. Yeah, what the fuck was this? There was like a whole like cartoon segment of like a James Bond thing that they yeah. launched into. I don't know. There's a lot of things that probably could have been cut out of this movie. This is, this is the part where I started really just being like, what in the hell? This is the part where I was really going wild. Yeah, I know. It's because I was like, he, he says they call him the James Bond of the sky, and apparently that's a big thing. And then my next note is a weird scene with Jennifer Garner. Yeah. <laughs> question mark, question mark, question mark. Yeah. Well, that part, that whole part is very weird. And it's like, it's weird because it's like, okay, he realizes that he can't do the pilot thing anymore. Right now, anyway, at least for a bit. And it's like he's trying to just give the appearance of being just like some sort of like businessman or something. Like is just very well off or something. Successful guy, yeah. Yeah. Well, he's talking to Jennifer Garter and for whatever reason she's like, how much would you pay for a night look? With a girl like me. And then she's like, give me a figure. Like at first I thought she was kidding. And then all of a sudden she's like, no, I actually had Hubbard give me a number. The whole scene is weird because, like, apparently he recognizes her in the hallway of the hotel because, like, she used to be a teen model or something. I don't know what age she is now, supposedly, in this movie, but she was supposedly some sort of a teen model, but now she's older or whatever. And apparently she must have turned to be a hooker, I guess. <laughs> I don't know, but I thought it was funny, like, my next note, honestly, if he does a fake sex scam on her. LL. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Hilarious, honestly, to be frank with you. Oh, yeah, and the best thing, he does the fake check, the the overpayment thing on her, <laughs> where he he says a $1,000, but then there's the check for $1,400, and she goes, well, why don't I just give you 400 in the cash, and we'll call And you it. give me the cashier's check, because she's thinking, okay, this is legit. He's good for it. Right. He will be able to switch her little on. Yeah. Which I thought was funny. I was like, oh, it's a fake check scam. <laughs> Look at that. So he he got $400 from her. To have sex with her. To have sex with her. <laughs> and then she got nothing out of it, because she lost $400. That check wasn't any good and she gave him four hundred dollars kind of funny it was a weird scene though let's be real and then frank calls up hanratty and sets up a meeting with him on christmas eve it's telling him that his name is barry allen allen which i was already like the flash that's what i was thinking and then i'm like how does hanratty not know who barry allen is well i'm that's all and i was like is 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 he playing a lot? Is this a thing where he's pre- he's giving a fake name of Barry Allen, or, or like, are we trying to pre- pretend that this exists in a world where Barry Allen isn't the Flash? Right. And what's going on? And then, no, he actually was just using the Flash's name because that's when he and Ratty realizes that the fake name he was given of Barry Allen is the name of the comic, the Flash. The Flash, yeah. And that's when he's like, okay, this is a kid. This is a literal child. This yeah, the baby human. Because he's like, he reads comics and this, that, and whatever. Like, he's he's picking up on some clues and little cues and stuff. And he's like, this is not even an adult male. Right. He's like, this is a kid. So it's a baby. So then he goes and visits Bright's mom. And she shows them his picture from his yearbook. And Hanratty goes, okay, that's God's himself. We're unknown subject, as the FBI calls them. That's what they call, you know, their perpetrators. And 
So now they know his name, Gabriel. They know his name. They know his age. They know where he's from. So they're starting to get more a look into who he is and how to potentially get it. So the mom, she offers to write a check for what he owes, and Hanratty's like, "Yeah, sure. It's, it's got one point million dollars. Yeah." And then we're. I don't know if this is a jump back or just a jump to a different place. I don't. The movie jumped. It's so confusing. And at this point, we're at a party that Frank's throwing at his apartment in Georgia. Yet he moves. And this also, my notes, I'm a little, I am confusion because this, this woman comes running out and she's like, so-and-so fell out of the conversation pit. And I'm thinking, how did the fall out of the conversation pit? The conversation pit itself is a hole in the floor. Like that, they, that was common in homes in the 70s. Yeah, like where to have the, the site down. Yeah, yeah, steps down into a lowered area where you would put your sofas and sit around and talk, and hence the name conversation. So, how do you fall out of, out of it? Falling it would be way. like falling into or like you tripped going up. Yeah, so then the next scene, he ends up at the hospital, I'm presuming because he had to take this guy to the hospital. Fell. And this thing comes across the world's stupidest fucking Kiedis driver. Who's Donald and out and crying. Played by Amy Adams. Yes, another. She's right though. The dumbest, the dumbest person ever. But literally, by dough. Comes across stupid candy stripper getting yelled at and crying for not knowing to label blood samples. Fucking dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. Yeah. Only common knowledge. I was having a good time with this movie last night. And then, of course, he flirts with her, and then he asks if they're hiring because he's a doctor. He's a doctor. Now he's a doctor. And at this point, he's got a very sophisticated forging setup going on. But we forge his whole last degrees, which I'm going to say to this day, not a whole lot of people check the degrees. Oh, for real. Uh, I mean, I do find it believable that people could do that and get away with it. I mean, I don't know of any place that actually calls up your alma mater and is like, do you, okay, does this person go to school here? No one does that. Yeah. That's still not really. You could still lie about your, yeah. You could. You could still do that. Somebody in my family actually told me to do that. There was, because when I was like, eh, I could go for like a part-time, you know, work from home job. And they were like, do what I do. And I was like, don't you need you know, such and such degree to do that. And he's like, just put it on there. They'll never check. I was like, I am not going to do that. So no, thank you. You are not in a position to be telling me to do these kinds of illegal things because he works in law enforcement. So Sorry, Con Airways. That would make me so anxious, though, to do that. Yeah, I couldn't have. I couldn't do it. Even if he was telling me to do it, I was like, there's no way because I would be so afraid of getting caught. Of course, I'd get fired, which whatever, if it's an extra money job, that's not that big of a deal. But what if they yeah. sue you and want some money? Yeah, nothing. So I'm like, crazy. no, thank you. So Frank then goes about watching some doctor TV shows, some, you know, dramas, and I'm sure soap operas about learning different terminology. That's another thing that killed me. Like, every time he's picking up a new job, he just watches a movie about it, and he's like, now I'm learning all the knowledge. Because I got it. Because that's all he does. He gets enough to go off the Just a dog. Yeah. And then he tries to make a tough sound like he knows what he's talking about using the lingo. I mean, I know a lot of medical lingo just from watching a shitload of Grey's Anatomy and watching other TV trauma, like different TV shows and like all that kind of stuff. And I could spout off some medical stuff, but that's, that's all me. Right. I'm just using the lingo. Well, now he is a doctor. He's actually the, the resident advisor or something like that. He's like the doctor, the supervisor, he just, the residents. Yeah. So when he's okay, he, 
he's supervising people that already don't know really know what's going what they're doing yeah they don't really know what they're doing either because so they're not going to call him out so much on not knowing things right they think he's yeah. like when he goes to those two guys without they're I mean, they're like just fresh out of school probably they know more than him but like the bare minimum right you know they have the, the knowledge of the anatomy and the that kind of stuff, but they don't right. have any working knowledge of it. They're not going to be able to perform surgeries and do all that kind of stuff right off the bat. But he's so he's he's hooking up with dumbass candy striper now. Yeah, going by the name Frank Connors because we've changed our last name again. And like I said, he gets called then to the ER for that kid in the bicycle accident, mm-hmm. and that kid that has like his bone sticking out through his leg or whatever. He cannot handle it. And he was running again, though. Because he had seen the doctors on this TV show saying, like, I concur. And so the mad <laughs> kid to diagnose it. The kid diagnoses it. And then he does the other guy. He's like, do you concur? And he's like, <laughs> one. And he's like, do you concur? Do you agree? And he's like, with what? And he's like, with his diagnosis. And he's like, yeah, I guess. He's like, yeah, yeah. I mean, you can see it. Physically see it. And these poor kids, like, us watching it, we're like, dude, this con man sound like a completely dumbass. Oh, yeah, for real. But the kids, they don't know any better. And I just get fresh out of cool. And he's like, I'm resisting. I didn't know. He's like, I sure am just concurred. <laughs> and like you said, he couldn't handle it. He had to immediately go throw up. Yeah, it was too much for him. Then good old hand ratting goes and visits Frank Sr., and he tells him that Frank Jr. forged an ID and joined the Navy and was over in Vietnam. Like, Frank Sr.'s trying to cover for Frank Jr. And he's like, yeah, no, he forged an ID. And the damn kid went over to Nam to fight for his country. And it's he, like, handwriting knows he's not telling the truth. Handwriting's like, you're full of shit. And he, but the guy's like, Frank Sr.'s like, I'm not going to give up my son. Like, you know this, I know this, whatever. But Hanratty's like smarter than that. So he sees like mail laying around when the guy steps away, Frank Sr. steps away. He sees mail laying around. He's like, oh, it's from Frank Jr. And then he can see where he is because there's an address on it. Mm-hmm. So now he knows where he's living at this apartment complex in Georgia. And Frank Jr. wants to get engaged to Brenda, the idiot candy strength. <laughs> He kind of, like, gets into this whole, like, wanting a family, wanting to settle down type thing for a second. Yeah, it's kind of weird. That's the part, like, because at first I'm like, all right, I'm going with it. You know, he's done his thing. He wants to settle down and, like, hold up a second. This child is still 17 years old. It's weird. A lot has happened in a short span of time. It's weird. And Hanoretti raised his apartment, but he's down in New Orleans. He's not there. Yeah. And her dad... Seems like he's kind of on to him. I mean, it, at first, I did question. Yeah. Like, he the questions he asks. He, I was like, okay, somebody's finally on to him right off the bat. No, this idiot. And you see where Brenda gets her fucking smarts from. <laughs> and he's like, give me the truth. And Frank's like, well, I'm just a kid in love with your daughter. And his dad's, or her dad's immediately just like, oh, oh yeah, he's a sentimental fool. Huh. <laughs> and he kind of just falls for it. He's like, oh, yeah. And he gives him his blessing, and then the dumbass gives him a job. A job. Yeah. It's kind of wild. Yeah, he just gives him a job in his law office as an assistant attorney general, and then, of course, Frank... Well, she had to go take the test. Yeah, he took the bar. He took the bar, but, you know... He still doesn't know what he's doing. Like, he's not a lawyer. 
No. He's not a legit lawyer. He has no clue. Yeah, he makes a complete fool of himself in front of a judge. He's oh, yeah. doing all kinds of crazy stuff. He's being an expert. He's doing way too much. Way too much. The judge is like, sir, there isn't even a jury here. It's just me. Like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> Who are you putting this show on for? Yeah, it was so weird. And then Frank meets up with his dad again, and his dad's got another letter from the IRS. They're going after him for more. So he gives his dad an invite to his engagement party and tells him he is getting it all back. Everything the IRS took from them. The house, house, the car, everything. Everything. He's just going to get it all back. And then you and Bob will get back together and everything will be perfect. His dad shoots that all to hell, telling him, well, your brother married Jack, the guy that she was cheating on me with. Right. And Frank, at this point, he wants to just be done and he tells his dad, he's like, if you care about me, ask me to stop. Yeah. And is this scene? This scene actually was probably the best scene of the entire. Movie. Oh yeah, definitely. I was like, I was hooked on it. Please, yeah. ask me to stop. If you care, ask me to stop. And his dad just wouldn't do it, and he just walks out. Yeah. So at this point, Frank calls handwriting again, because you can tell that he knows his days are numbered. They're catching up with him. Hanratty is like relentless. Like he's been going after him for quite some time now, and he's just not giving up. Wow. And that's and that's exactly what it is. What Hanratty says because he tells him he wants to stop stealing and settle down. And Hanratty's like, no, he's just scared because he knows I'm close. <laughs> he knows I yeah. got him. So Hanratty tells his team to check New Orleans papers for engagement announcements, and he catches up with them at his engagement party. So Frank's caught. There's no getting out of it. There's no denying it. Oh, it's for sure. He comes clean to Brenda, telling her, hey, I'm a 17-year-old child who's a con man, and none of this is real. And, and she's like, but ask, you're not 28? No, yeah, she's still <laughs> like, I, I'm just so upset, but I still love you, and so... And then she's just fine. He runs away and tells her to leave in two days to meet him in Miami. Yeah, he had, like, money stashed in these suitcases, like, just shit tons of money, honestly. And then like, gives her a handful and is like, hey, use this to get a flight. Come meet me in Miami. Mm-hmm. Well, he and Ratty finds Brenda. And then she goes to meet Frank at the Miami airport. And that's when Frank sees her and he realizes the FBI. Oh, he knew it was made. You could, and I mean, any idiot, you could be anybody, you would know. If you look around, you would know that there was people planted everywhere. Right. There's people pretending to be maintenance workers. I was like, those, this is what I said to my daughter. I said, those are the least, like, realistic workers I've ever seen. Those people haven't worked a day in their life. (laughs) They weren't even believable. They kind of did a similar thing in an episode of Criminal Lines that was pretty cool. Like, I mean, when they... When they started that scene, I can't remember what the episode was, but when they started that scene, I didn't think all those people actually, like, they did it well. It was in that episode, because there was, like, now the guy coming, oh, it was the Reaper. It was the Reaper one where the guy was going after Hotch and and his his ex-wife. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they were catching up with the Reaper at George Boyette at his apartment, and you could tell that the guy that was, like, maintenance and was fake as shit, but you put a camera under the door. And with that, I was like, yeah, that's definitely an FBI agent for sure. 
Oh, but then after after the fact, when they all got like mobilized, like the fucking workers on the street that were like drilling into the concrete were actually FBI agents and shit, and they all took off running. I was like, damn, damn, like we're actually using equipment. Yeah, and they, they were really passing, and I was like, uh, but this one was kind of obvious, but also again, the 60s. True. Not as high tech. And so Frank just leaves because, you know, he's not about to get caught. And then I'm a little confused because now he's got a scam where he's a Pan Am spokesperson or a headhunter or some what what was going on? Yeah, and he goes to like some high school. Yeah, that was weird. And I was it a high school or was it a college? I feel like it was a high school. It might have been a college. It was weird. It was kinda weird. It just kinda gone very uh yeah, it was kind of wishy-washy. It was like he didn't really know what was going on. It's weird. He gives a little speech, and then he says he'll choose eight women to accompany him on basically, like, what will be a flight attendant internship. Right. And then he picks the eight girls, and they just all walk right past the officers in the airport. As they the, or the thing is, it was very smart. Like, he knew what he was doing. The whole reason he picked these girls is they were very attractive, good-looking ladies, and they knew, he knew that they would be able to distract any person that was trying to find him when he was trying to escape. So he had them basically around him and he was in the center and they were kind of like surrounding him. Yeah, and they just looked like the usual pilot. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It just looked realistic, but also like these girls are like, Fling in their hair and they're all like smiling, smiling at all the guys and they're just like, hey. <laughs> yes. Well, the guy, they went after this other guy instead that he knows him, but he ends up saying he was hired to wear this suit and pick up Hanratty. He's got a sign. He's got a sign and his name on it. Kind of funny. And at this point, Hanratty has traced all the checks and he's found the most recent one was in Madrid. <laughs> he's like, okay, so he might still be there because it was just a week ago. Right. And then he has someone examine the checks and say where they were printed in this Because literally these checks are getting like better and better. Like very fancy, very realistic, mm -hmm. almost as good as a real check. Yeah. And the guy's like, these are from France. And he and Raddy is like, okay, well, Frank's about that big France. Because his mother was yeah. French. So he's like, where did his parents meet? And that was Marseille. So... Marseille, I should say. And that's when Hanratty catches up with him at the printers. He runs. And he goes to arrest Frank, but the French police come and take him. It's kind of insane. Yeah. They have this whole, like, back and forth thing. There's checks flying everywhere. <laughs> yeah, and then that's, that's how he ends up in that shitty prison. Yeah. Of which he almost escaped from. By that part was a weird job, which yeah. it was genuinely. He was sick. genuinely sick. That's the thing. He was genuinely sick, but he, he didn't try to get out of there. And but because he was trying to use that as like his, you know, hey, I can escape while they take me to the, you know, like what is that called? Like sick bay, or I don't know what the hell it's called. Uh, whatever it's called, infirmary. Infirmary. So, like, they take him there, and he's he's thinking this is a great opportunity, but he just is so ill that he can't even. Yeah. He's not quick enough. He's very sick. Yeah. So then they're extraditing him, of course, and on the way back to New York on the plate, he's like, call my dad. And Hanaratti's like, listen, your dad died. Apparently, he fell down the steps at Grand Central trying to catch a train and broke his neck. Kind of wild story. Yeah. 
So at that point, Frank, of course, loses his mind again. Oh, yeah. He's very grief-stricken. He goes to the restroom. He freaks out a little bit, punches some walls, and then he disappears. Apparently, he crawled through the toilet. <laughs> that was kind of weird. Into some pipes or vents or something and climbs comes out. Comes out to the bottom of the plane. By a wheel as it's landing. Which, I mean, he would know the anatomy of the plane after so much time of doing this. So oh, yeah. That is, I was like, that is kind of realistic because if he was on planes so many times, he would probably know how to do that yes and stops by his mother's house and through the window he sees a little girl and then realizes eventually that that's his younger sister yeah it's it's really this is another really good scene it's kind of sad and emotional but it's like he realizes that basically his mother's moved on his dad is dead he's got nothing right and handwriting and he just gives up basically after Hanratty catches up to him and he has this realization and he's like, you know, my mom's moved on. He's just begs him. She begs him to put him in the car because he's like, I don't want my mom to see me. It's embarrassing. You can tell that he's embarrassed. Yeah. And feels like a fool. And he gets sentenced to 12 years of prison at a max security prison. And the, I feel like this shit was overkill. 12 years of prison. 12 max security. Well, and as a head, put him in solid right to sign himself. The judge even recommended he got sent to isolation for the whole time. Yeah. Whether or not he did, I don't know. I didn't look into it, but the judge was recommending that. And I don't know if that happened in real life, but God, I don't think. I don't either, but I thought that was a bit much. Okay, 12 years isn't super long, but it's also not super short, like, especially in isolation. Oh, yeah. It's not super short, especially if they put him in isolation by himself, which I thought was a little ridiculous. Yeah, like, why, oh, insane. Like, legitimately insane. Being by yourself for that long, it would go nuts. Yep. And then handwriting needs I think it only ends up, like, serving half of it. Yeah, well, if I'm because yeah, well, Hanratty meets up with him at prison the following Christmas when he gets out. I couldn't remember how long it was till he got out. Yeah, and he tells Frank that there's another guy doing what he did, and Frank gives him tips on finding the person. Yeah, Listen, they're talking through like the glass, like you know when you do the visitation, you know. Yeah, and he's like giving him. He's like, you know, this guy's definitely using this and this. He's giving him like tips, and this is definitely fake, and this is how I know, and he's giving him all this information. And he goes on to help them solve some other cases. So the FBI officially offers him a job that he would get out of prison and be... This really happened in real life to the shrill person, too, though. He, yeah. they, uh, he got a job with yeah, the FBI. Yeah, it happened. So his, he's getting out of prison so long as he consents to be under Hanratty's custody for the remainder of his sentence and work for the NBI. He's not an idiot, so he takes the offer. Yeah, who wouldn't? And he gets into his own little file and he takes his picture out. It's an old Pan Am uniform. He sees it a second hand. Oh, yeah. He just, he couldn't help himself. Yeah. He saw it there and he, it was just tempting. And I think also he was kind of like bored with the day to day, like mundane, because he's lived a life of excitement at this point. Right. Do you know what I mean? And it's not like he wasn't enjoying helping them catch these people, but it was like kind of a boring job and he's like missing the excitement. Right. You know? So he gets this uniform and he tries to run. Hanratty catches up with him at the airport. He's like, you know what? I'm not even going to try to stop you because I know he knew going to be back. He was going to go for the weekend, have a good time, 
come back to the job. And he was right. You know, Frank was a little late on Monday, but he did show back. He did come back. And that's it. That's he for he sure did. kind of wraps up. You know, Frank's just working for the FBI now, which, like we said, it, it, real person. It's kind really of interesting because they kind of end up being like buddies. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they do. That, it, it even says at the ending credits yeah. that they remain good friends. They remain good yeah. friends. Yeah. And also, this guy's like a multimillionaire. I mean, in real life, like he had a shitty start to life with a, you know, being poor, having a con man for a father, not really knowing any better. He does all this crazy shit, kind of rinses his life around and becomes somebody that's helping and doing good. So that's, it's kind of interesting because it does kind of have a good ending. Mm -hmm. So, and it's kind of uplifting. I mean, there were shitty parts, but in the end, he kind of redeemed himself redeemed himself and he gets not everything he wanted obviously i i do have a, a thoughts about this movie <laughs> i have some thoughts i then literally when i was selling my daughter i was like it's kind of funny because it was basically just in my opinion the synopsis of this movie would be like a lost little child who couldn't handle life and he just kind of was like, fuck all, and just took off. But then he realized that he was like, oh, if I do all these things, then I can get... He thought he could get his family back together. Let's be real. Mm -hmm. He thought, I'm going to go do these things. He was so upset about his family being torn apart and his parents getting divorced that he was like, I'm going to go do all these things, get our lives back that we had, because they had, like, they did have at one point money. They had a nice house. They had the car. They had all those things. And it's like, he did all of this for good reasons. Inten his intentions were good. Let's, right. Let's, and pure. But, like, the things he was doing were not, not so great. And it's, it's kind of sad when you find out that, like, he doesn't get what he wanted. I mean, that was his ultimate goal, in my opinion, watching the movie, was that he wanted to get his family back. Right, and he wanted to have his own little family. But then Don't he does that. end up having his own family in the end. I mean, like, I do know that the real person does get married, has lives a happy life, whatever. He didn't get his parents back together, but he does get his own little family, so good for him on that. But it's kind of sad, you know, because it's like, literally, he was just a lost kid. Right. Truly. And it's kind of insane that he did all of these things. Kind of wild, truly. And so quickly. Yeah. He really did all that. Like, fast. very, a very think it was smart, astute, charming person. Yeah, the the real guy, I want to say, was between the ages of 15 and 19 was when he did all that. I, it's he still like, crazy. Yeah, it's still crazy. Yep. Well, we'll leave you with the usual. If it seems too good to be true. It is. It is. And if you want to find us on socials, we're on Facebook at Too Good to Be True Podcast. We're on Instagram and TikTok at Too Good to Be True Pod. If you want to send us an email, it's Too Good to Be True Pod at Outlook.com. If you'd like to monetarily support us or leave us a voice message, just visit our main page, which is in the show notes, and you can do that. And thanks for listening. Bye bye. Yesterday I was I stopped to get some food after work 
And I was just like in my own head, driving up to the drive-thru. And as I'm driving up to the drive-thru, I'm going, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I was doing it. <laughs> I literally did something like that at my desk at work today. And then, and then as I'm pulling up, a girl walks out the back of the restaurant and looks at me. And so I start <laughs> laughing. I just lose it and just start laughing. And I'm like trying to place my order and I'm laughing the whole time I'm trying to place my order. I'm like, I probably look like a fucking crackhead. I'm pulling up to the driver. <laughs> Oh, my God. <laughs>